You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. In a change to our standard format, this episode is one part of a wider multi-platform review. While this episode is entirely standalone and acts as a complete experience on its own, you can also experience our thoughts in a number of other mediums, including reviews printed on glow-in-the-dark coffee mugs available from all good carpeting emporiums. The first part of this review will be released in six months' time on Triangular Vinyl. Welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Connor, and this week I'm joined by Mansur. Hello. Hello. Hello, and we are here to talk about Time Lord Victorious, um, which came out sort of over, over the course of a couple of months, just at the end of 2020, I think. Um, I remember being quite excited when it, when it was announced, because um, this is the first time I think Doctor Who has ever done anything like this i was vaguely aware of uh star wars doing something similar with the high republic but uh, this was completely new for doctor who and fairly unheard of i think um as, as far as i was aware um so we're going to throw out a quick spoiler warning which is anything involved with time lord victorious might get covered here uh, i don't know that we're going to talk about everything but we we could potentially talk about anything and there'll be fairly major spoilers for the central parts of it anyway. Uh, so anything Time Lord Victorious related, you have been warned. Um, so the first question I had for you was, do you think a multimedia crossover event like this is a good idea? I think yes, but I think there's a, there's a different question of, did this one, did this version of it work perfectly? Um, and I think the answer to that is more complicated but yeah in principle it was i thought it was an exciting idea when i heard about it for the first time um so yeah and even if it's even if it's a failed experiment i think it's an interesting good experiment to try there's so much extended universe doctor who that anything slightly fresh or different is really welcome i think that's why um some of us reacted quite well to redacted like it was just something different it appealed to me because the first thing well the first we knew of it um aside from you know tight i think someone had guessed that amazon had put the books up for sale maybe a month ahead of the official announcement and it was someone had guessed from tlv that it was going to be time lord victorious but i don't think we knew it was going to be this great big crossover event until the day it was announced and i remember that sort of poster image of david Tennant's doctor uh christopher eccleson's doctor and and paul mcgann's um you know they're they're their images popped up on Facebook one morning and I, I lost my mind because I'm that sort of a fan that, you know, I'm, I'm never not going to be excited to see, you know, doctors meeting up and Daleks and, you know, 
a, a crossover like this. Um, it's it's. I think I agree that the general idea of this sort of thing is a great idea. It just depends on the execution. Time Lord Victorious gets a lot of things right. I don't know that it gets everything right, um, but that's something we can discuss now. Um, so I think I should start by asking which parts of Time Lord Victorious then did you did you do? So for this podcast, I caught up on a lot of things that I had bought but hadn't gotten around to listening. So there were a few audios that I filled in um, in the last few days, but back when it was actually live and it was happening, I read the two main books, uh, heard some of the audios, um, I read one of the comics, I read the Doctor Who magazine comic, but not the uh, the 10th Doctor Titan comic. Um, what else? Uh, I got I got the, the figures, the, um, uh, the four little uh, sets, which were six Daleks, and then Brian the Ood and David Tennant in his Time Lord Victorious gear. Um, and, yeah, I think this gets into, like, when we get into this in our discussion of, like, how the event was set out, but there were so many other little ephemeral bits of content as well. It wasn't just this, like, list of novels, books, and audios and uh, and comics um there were all these little there were bits in email newsletters that were in universe bits of fiction that were part of time world victorious um and so yeah so if you if you if you have that completionist urge you were kind of scrabbling around to like grab all those little ephemeral fragments of it as well as all these the bigger pieces um, so yeah, I, I, I experienced a fair bit, but not not all of it. Yeah, I I I I was quite um, choosy, I suppose would be the word with with what I went for. I I'm I I knew straight off the bat it was going to be you know the, the the main things I wanted were the big fetish audios and the, the novels. Um, I don't know that I felt too much of an urge to get the comics. I'm not a big comics reader. Generally, I've tried a few times and I've always slightly struggled um, to get into reading comics. Um, and certainly the Titan stuff, I have I, I followed for a while, but didn't feel a great desire to get here, I suppose, um, because I knew it was going to get the bulk of the Tenth Doctor's involvement. Because uh, I think he was in, I think he was the his, the Titan comic stuff was the Tenth Doctor. I can't remember quite just off the top of my head there, actually. But I knew he was going to be in the books, which was, you know, what I wanted um, as far as his involvement went. I think I got the first Ninth Doctor comic in Doctor Who magazine. I don't remember if I got the second or third, but I don't feel I missed too much out of those either, just with the way it turns up in the books. Part of something Time Lord Victorious did was everything... As much as possible, I think act as acted as its own standalone adventure, and you didn't, you, you know, you you know, you could pick up one episode of a big finish audio, um, you could pick up one books, and you're still getting the whole book in there. I, I I think was the intention. Whether or not that worked is is debatable, um, but I think there's enough background explanation once the ninth Doctor has arrived that you're not left too in the dark, and uh, when he does arrive in the books, I think that. That in you know that sort of, you know the media stuff about 
um, you can pick up any bit and just drop in and out and it will make sense. Uh, I think it was somewhere in between that like, there's probably like a run of stories or a set of stories that you need to experience. Like maybe the two books together or tell a coherent story or. Yeah. The books, the books, I don't think you could do. You certainly couldn't do the, you know, the first lines on a cliffhanger. Um, the second one does rely very heavily on, um, on you having heard the first, but it doesn't really require to have heard, you know, as, as I said, it doesn't require you to read the ninth doctor comics or hear the eighth no, doctor no. audios. Although the eighth doctor does get left, you know, doesn't get closure in the books because he had an audio coming after them. Um, he doesn't get the same closure that the ninth and 10th doctors do there. Um, did you, uh, to any of the other, like the weirder stuff like time fracture or there was a escape room as well. Right? I, I I I didn't because they were in in London and um there's there's a sea between me and London. <laughs> um, um, I did want to get over to do the escape room. It didn't work out. I'd love to have done time fracture, um, but I think the one time I was in London, it had it, it was closed quite frequently. There, I think they had a lot of issues with flooding. Um, the sets getting ruined just through water damage, uh, just because of the building it was housed in. Um, so I wasn't able to get to it when I was actually in London. Um, time fracture. Um, I did have the escape room book, but didn't end up being able to do it. But uh, uh, time fracture was a good crossover. You actually see um, Brian the Ude running through at one point, uh, and there's like a plot line you can follow involving him. Uh, so. This is the thing as well, that looking at the whole thing, there are some stories that feel like they have quite a tangential connection to the main story, um, where like maybe there's like a scene or there's like a, a little bit at the end that connects it into the wider narrative. And then there are some stories that are just like really central parts of it. And it's quite, if you're coming in, fresh it's quite hard to navigate which is which and like which are those core essential ones and which are the ones you could potentially skip um i know they did all those timelines and diagrams and things so it was a lot of work to actually sort of work out <laughs> like what to read and or experience and in what order but even with those diagrams it doesn't really differentiate because they want to promote all of it equally um so that was tough like working out what you do and in what order it was like almost that was a task in itself yeah that that is true although i did i did um i did appreciate that they did publish those timelines and it was that 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 helped a lot yeah. but that's a wee bit of a you know that is a bit of a barrier to the entry to this sort of thing you know you have to i think they were just tweeted out on social media they might have been sent out in the email newsletter that's that's uh, yeah, I can see it being difficult for somebody to work their way into unless they had a chance to cross one of those timelines. Um, so that's... Yeah, I, I, I do like that there's multiple routes through it, though. I like that you can start yeah. different places, end up on a different route, and you, can, you don't have to take the same journey through these adventures every single time. I think that's quite cool. Um, but it maybe doesn't lend itself to the most user-friendly... Uh, sort of experience, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what they're trying to like because it, it was really pushed quite heavily in terms of marketing. So that made me think, oh, they're trying to like go for um, 
you know a broad audience while Doctor Who's not on TV as frequently um, this is kind of something that replaces it as something really high profile so the nicheness and the complexity of it kind of went against that so um, yeah um, the other thing as well with it was, um, just remember and I remember thinking a lot about this at the time, the 13th Doctor was at the time the current Doctor yeah. um, and and had been at this stage for about two years. Now, a lot of the big finish stuff was recorded in lockdown. So uh, I, th- I think I remember them saying that you know the, it had been planned for slightly longer than Jodie Whittaker had been the Doctor. Yeah. But that... You know, it feels strange that there's this great big event, and the star of your show's not in it. You know, or the you know the the current Doctor's not in it, even in the books. You know, like I don't expect them to do big finish audios with Jodie Whittaker or anything, or, or it didn't at the time. But it felt strange not having and not having her, you know, take like the eighth or ninth Doctor's role. You know, I, I, I there's a reason that the eighth Doctor's in this, which is he's. A pseudo new series doctor, you know, he's it's the Night of the Doctor version of him, uh, who you know, new series fans will recognize, and then can have Paul McGann play him in the audios. Christopher Eccleston wasn't on board with that at the time, that's why he's in the comics. I don't really see any need for that to have been the ninth doctor when it could have been the 13th, and that could have been the current doctor in there. Um, but that, 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 that. I, I love the three Doctors that are there, but that always felt a wee bit strange to me that the, the, the current lead, the current face of the show wasn't wasn't there. Well, that's a bit of an ongoing thing, isn't it? Like um, It's come up again recently with like some mobile game or something. Um, there was the computer game as well, uh, Edge of Time or Edge of Reality, um, and that was the same thing. It was the 13th Doctor was current at the time, yet uh, like David Tennant's in that as well and the comics as well like i think during the 13th doctor's run the 10th doctor pops up again um he's probably the most popular modern series doctor looking across the sort of 2005 onwards as a whole so that yeah that's there's a reason for it um but uh yeah do, do you think it was to the point of taking the limelight away from Jodie Whittaker or the current Doctor or because it's like again it's like not it's not for the millions of people who watch the show it's like the number of people who experience books and comics and things it's, it's tiny compared to TV isn't it yeah I, I I as you said I don't think it was Time Lord Victorious's problem alone there's a yeah. lot of you know I'm trying to think of all the things that have had, you know, the 13th Doctor front and seven, all the Cubicle 7 role-playing game stuff. Her co- her face was on every cover, still is. They've released one recently. It has the new, you know, 60th anniversary diamond logo, but it's still the 13th Doctor because she's, at the time, she's still the most recent. Um, but that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head where she is always front and centre. The 10th Doctor's crept in a lot over the last few years. The games, as you mentioned... Um, I'm fairly sure there was something else where he he was the, the biggest face on the cover, and it's it is very much now that the tenth Doctor is the default Doctor as far as a lot of the merch goes. Um, there's that game recently, um, an unlikely heist, which is thirteenth Doctor and Yaz, 
somebody else and then off to the side of the Tenth Doctor as well. You know, it's very rare now that we get something without him. But, and even though, yes, this is based around, you know, Time Lord Victorious is based around a point from his, you know, you know the end of his era. Absolutely, the Tenth Doctor's the front and centre figure here. He's, he's, he's on the book. He's... The books are his. He's front and center on those. He's front and center on that original um, announcement poster. But it feels strange that she wasn't. It just it, that, that's the only way I can put it. Is it just feels strange that she wasn't there in some capacity beyond I think what was basically a cameo in one of the Titan comics. Yeah, right at the end she pops up, which um, which made me sort of feel like I was I'd gone to all the effort of filling in all these Time Lord Victorious gaps, but then that made me feel like I was missing a lot of stuff because I hadn't read the previous 10th Doctor, 13th Doctor crossover. Um, so, but yeah, she's in it very, very briefly. Okay. Well, let's let's delve into some of the different arms of this project then, some of the different arms of Time Lord Victorious. Um, we're talking about comics at the moment then. Tell us a little bit about the comics, what you thought of them. Right, so the... the the Doctor Who magazine Ninth Doctor comic, I read that at the time, so it's not super fresh in my memory, but I remember really liking that. Um, uh, I, I think there's like a vampire sort of temporary companion that the Ninth Doctor uh, links up with, and um, yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's a little bit hazy because it was a while ago, but the uh, I, I thought it was quite a sort of intriguing setup for the whole event um coming at it from the ninth doctor's point of view and i like the companion um and i think she carries on into the books like she's uh so that that was nice when you get characters like brian the ood or the strategist or uh i can't remember her name the um uh the vampire companion that the ninth doctor has uh but yeah characters like that that start quite substantially in one story and then they carry forward into another that just kind of makes it all feel more cohesive um the other uh, titan comic uh i read that much more recently um like i my i like the art style in that and the story was okay again it was good to get uh some of the 10th doctor and the strategists together um, I wasn't as uh, sort of blown away by the the concept of the story in that one. It seemed a little bit more uh, more slight. Um, but yeah, so out of the two, I would recommend Doctor Who magazine one. Even though the, the the Titan one seemed to be the one that was really being pushed and promoted more as like one of the flagship um, titles of the whole event. Yes, I, I, as I said, I remembered reading the first issue of the Ninth Doctor comic and found it quite intriguing. Um, I don't think it got as far as the companion being revealed in that. I think the first I read of her was in the books. Um, I think it was Madame Akala. And then um, I didn't read any of the Titan ones at all. It always meant to wait for the collected edition of it to come out. I think it was released, you know, sort of the monthly comics. Um, I wanted to wait for the omnibus version um, and then just I, 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 must, I must have just forgotten to get it so I'll maybe have to hunt a copy of that down but yes that was so that was one of the arms and the other one then which was the one I was most excited for was the audios um, most of which starred Paul McGann um, and I was excited for that because 
as much as I love the likes of the books and you know the the there was a, an audio short story released from BBC Audio with Jacob Dudman reading you know reading in as Brian and the Tenth Doctor. This felt like, um, you know, the, this felt like the most substantial part of it because it was an actual doctor in his role. It was Paul McGann playing the Eighth Doctor, um, and it was this little trilogy of audios based sort of the bookend around the books. Um, and I quite liked them. The first one was a lot more standalone than I expected, but it's a fun enough little adventure. And then the other two are a bit more involved with the whole Time Lord Victorious thing. Um, did you did you hear the audios then? Yeah, I caught up on the ones um, that I hadn't heard before. Uh, so I think I've heard all the the audios. So there's yeah, the three McGanns. There's also that um, there's an additional ones like Echoes of Extinction, Extinction, which is half Eighth Doctor, half Tenth Doctor. There was a Fourth Doctor one. Uh, what else am I missing? Uh, yeah, and the Minds of uh, Magnox, as you just said. Um, so it was interesting listening to all of those in order because I think the the three main McGann ones that you were talking about at the start there, I think those are the most successful. There is a huge jump between the second and third where the novels come. And if you were just listening to the three audios in a row, you'd be really confused as to what's happened between the second and third one um but i think they still sort of form like the most cohesive set of audios uh and i think my favorites out of all the audios as well like the the rest were okay but like uh you know um but not not as memorable not as interesting as those three main mcgann ones because you get brian the Ude, in the first one introduced as well, which is, uh, I think, one of the other sort of standout successful characters of the whole thing. Yes, it was very memorable, uh, very, very memorable uh, character in Brian. Um, and it's, again, it's the original, you know, Oud voice actor playing Brian in, in that one. Um, and honestly, sounds like he's having a ball. You know, the Oud can be... I was going to say one note. I suppose it's a bit more like two note. You've got placid and subservient, and then you've got the sort of violent red eye um, or creepy sort of version of them. This is very, very different, and it sounds like you know Silas Carson has an awful lot of fun playing Brian um, and getting to be this slightly weirder, more psychotic dude. Um, so he's, he's very, very good. Um, I'd probably say the second... Of the two McGann ones is my favourite here. It um, puts the Eighth Doctor and uh, the Dalek Time Squad on a, on this alien planet, which has this sort of... They're the, they, they have conquered the universe, or they're on the verge of conquering the universe. They've got this machine that lets them visit death upon whoever they wish, as long as they've got an example, you know, a, a strand of DNA from, you know, whichever species they want to target. Um so that's really, really cool. That's 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 a really great idea for a planet in the first place. Then you put the Eighth Doctor and the Daleks in the middle of them and sort of have the, you know, the Doctor has to try and stop the Daleks taking control of this weapon. So that's great. I, I, I really like that setup. One of my favourite things about this is the Dalek Time Squad because um, the Daleks, certainly in Big Finish, have become quite ubiquitous. Um, 
over the last you know couple of years in this it's partially the way they're written and it's partially the way they are played they all have these really distinct personalities um and it's really easy to tell them all apart you know there's lots of different variants appear in the art um you know especially designed for time lord victorious and this introduces them this sets out who they are and you can hear I, I, I personally think the differences in the performance is really clear. Nick Briggs does them really well. He has their own distinct personality, their own distinct voice. It's really easy to tell the Daleks apart here, even though you can't actually see them. Um, I think this acts as the best showcase for them. The third one, while it's good, is quite action-heavy. A lot of people described it as the Eighth Doctor does die hard in a Dalek space, you know, space spaceship. But it's quite action-heavy, and I do tend to gloss over it a bit more. There's segments there where there's a lot of Daleks talking to each other, and they do slightly gloss over into one. I think the second one's a better showcase for that, um, and it's 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 I I'd say it's my favourite piece out of all of Time Lord Victorious. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what would be my favourite out of all of them. Um, I think it's. I think those McGowan audios are the strongest individual stories. Yeah, in the whole thing. Um, yeah, as a whole. So uh, I was trying to think as well. Like I, it, I was talking before about like, there are some that are kind of more tangential and some that are more central. I would put the three Eighth Doctor audios in the like. If, if you're even going to do like a cut down version of Time Lord Victorious, I'd recommend doing. Definitely all three of those main McGowan audios. Yes, I, I I was quite fond of the Tom Baker one as well, although I don't think I I this you know when I when I heard the when I heard Time Lord when I when I heard and read Time Lord Victorious the first time around, um I did it just as they were released. I did all this, you know, I ran through it again this time, just one after the other. And the fourth Doctor one's maybe not just as standout as I remember it being. It's still very good, um, but it's it's. I, I don't think it's just as good as some of the Paul McGann ones here. They're they're definitely the 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 the, uh, the cream of the Time Lord Victorious crop. Um, but it's fun. Tom's in you know great form. It's it's. I, I love lone Dalek stories. There, it's a really great formula. It's very difficult to go wrong with a lone Dalek story, um, and this is a good example of it. I think it's very alien as well. Like, yeah, I yeah. Cool. I think my only, and this is only because somebody pointed it out once, and I read it, and it stuck in my head because it was done to set up. It was done to set up. I think the escape room in London. Um, uh, and that was what it tied into. It starts with a Dalek on a spaceship, you know, with some colonists. The Doctor turns up, the Dalek gets out for a bit. The Daleks are supposedly defeated, but then we get to the end and, you know, the Dalek is still alive. Nothing actually changes as a result of the Doctor being here. The Dalek, it's only slight, it's maybe slightly delayed that the events of the escape room can then take place. The, you know, the, the starting conditions are pretty much the same as the, you know, the end conditions of this story. Not a lot changes as a result of this story happening, but it's a very fun listen. It's a very good, you know, story to listen through. Um, it's just not the most consequential one. Yeah, 
is that Dalek meant to be the strategist? I think he says at one point, doesn't he? Or that he hints quite heavily. I think it was just a drone. Um, and again, this is because I can remember reading off the timelines. The Dalek strategist... Because I, I think, I'm not sure if it's still on the Doctor Who website, but if you go onto the Doctor Who website, there was, I think, a tool that you could select a character like the Eighth Doctor and it would show you where they entered and where they left and the path between them in Time Lord Victorious. If you selected the strategist, I think his ending point was, in a, it went off from all flesh's grass into one of the Eagle Moss. There was wee short stories released with some Eagle Moss figurines for this one. I think his... Last, I think he went from all flesh's grass into that. I don't think. I think this is just a, a Dalek. I think it's just a bog standard Dalek drone in this one. Isn't it? Isn't the strategist in um, the uh, mutually assured destruction? Is he? In, is he in that one? Oh yes. Sorry, my my mistake. He goes. For, I think he sort of. There's something about an escape pod. He does escape and get away from the Daleks. Um, on the Eagle Moss short story did hint that he was going to come back at some stage or he was making plans to come back but I don't I don't think the Dalek in, in the fourth Doctor audio here um, I don't think that was the strategist I think it was just a, yeah. a standard drone had escaped The one in the escape room didn't look like the strategist um, but I can't remember if it was someone like retconning it on a forum or if it was something official it might just have been someone's theory but like someone said somewhere at some point like it could be the strategist but in a new series style casing like he's he's, he's found one of those to survive there is something in this story about it recreating casings um yeah but i don't think it was i'm fairly sure it's not but that's quite interesting i'm gonna miss that um, the last audio then, or well, well, the first and last, because the eighth Doctor story is the very starting point of Time Lord Victorious, and then the tenth Doctor one is the very end. But it's Echoes of Extinction, which, if you ask me to name my two favorite Doctors, it's Paul McGann and David Tennant. So this was a dream come true. It was only disappointed that they didn't actually meet. You know, or their their doctors don't meet in this one when it actually has the two actors playing them. But there is a little bit of a interaction at one stage. Um, is this one you heard? I did. Uh, it's one I heard quite recently because I'd had it, but I hadn't listened to it. Uh, it. To be fair, it might be because I was listening to a lot in a row, but this one didn't really grab me as much as some of the others. It, it was perfectly fine while I was listening to it, but. Um, and it might have been that I wasn't paying attention, but I didn't really get the major link to the Time Lord Victorious narrative as well. Uh, it might be really obvious if I go back and re-listen, but um, yeah, so it felt a bit disconnected to me and um, yeah, wasn't um, as memorable as some of the other stories. Um, but nice to have two, because we don't really get that format in Big Finish much. We get the anthology monthly releases, or we used to, um, with the four half-hour episodes, but this is just like two short um, short episodes, one for the Eighth Doctor, one for the Tenth, so uh, yeah, nice to have a slightly different format for stories as well. I think that was because it was, like, the main format for this was vinyl, so that restricted the, the run time um, to have, like, one on one side and one on the other. 
Yeah, it's 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 it sort of harks back to was it? Oh gosh, I've forgotten the name of it. It was one of the Seventh Doctor and Mel stories that was sort of set up that you could listen to. Oh, flip flip flop. Flip flop. That was it. You could listen to one half first, one side. You know, one. I think it was one. It was CDs. It was one disc first, then you can do the other. You didn't. Have, you know, yeah. you could listen to disc one. You know, after disc two, you could swap them around. It can happen in any order. That sort of is at play here. I think the Yes Doctor side one of the vinyl sound, from what I remember, was. I don't think it did that, you know, either order thing just as well as as flip flop maybe did. I have I haven't actually heard it. I'm just aware of it by reputation. Um, I don't think. I think I think this is definitely the eighth Doctor's part one, the tenth Doctor's part two. Um, I don't know that you could listen to them in reverse order and get you. Know, I don't think it would work just as well. But I I I quite like that it's there. I think it's. I think it's been maybe less popular than the rest of Time Lord Victorious because the vinyl took so long to come out, which wasn't anyone's fault. It was COVID-related. Um, it kept getting delayed and delayed. It was meant to be exclusive to Asda in the UK. It ended up then being released through Amazon, and I think Big Finish got some to sell on their website as well. And I, I quite enjoy it. I think, you know, again, as I said, it's the 8th and 10th Doctors played by their actual actors, it's it's going to appeal to me very very strongly, but it's it's very strange because and I did it this time in timeline order. I did the eighth Doctor one at the very start. I did the tenth Doctor one at the very end. By the time I got through the rest of Time Lord Victorious to the tenth Doctor episode of this, I couldn't remember too many specifics about what happened in the eighth Doctor's episode. Yeah, I, I had the same. Like I listened to them like. Like in quite a compressed time, um, I think it just like, yeah, like it, it sort of goes against listening to it all chronologically. You just need to listen to those two parts together because they tell you know, like two very closely connected stories. Yeah, I do love the little bit at the end, which is because it's the last, it's the tenth Doctor's exit point from you know Time Lord Victorious. I love the bit where he sort of sees or hears the eighth doctor and sort of gets to reminisce about what's going to happen he says oh you know he knows that the eighth doctor is about to go into the events of time lord victorious and then i think he sort of makes a hint that he's about to go straight into the time war after that and i love that he's sort of getting to look back and sort of almost apologize for what he's putting his past self through and that's i think where the enormity of what the tenth doctor does during time lord victorious sort of sinks into him properly and tenant plays it really really well tenant plays yeah, it fantastically i did like that moment and that, that almost would have been like um uh, an interesting dilemma to have expanded into a whole story like there's some crossover and he's got an opportunity to to change things um in the past or like divert the eighth doctor onto a different path and um yeah that that i think would have been some I know, I know it's not right to like criticise a story for what it isn't, but um, yeah, that just made me think that that would have been an interesting direction to go in. What this did have was some really good guest stars. It had quite a few, didn't it? it was, um, uh, it's Burn Gorman. Burn Gorman is totally unrecognisable in this. Burn Gorman, uh, Mina Anwar, uh, Paul Clayton, um, 
yeah, so there's it's quite a few people who pop up in other Doctor Who and Big Finish stories. Uh, um, it's yeah. Arthur Darville as well is in there, and that that's it's really strange oh, to yeah. hear the tenth Doctor and Rory. <laughs> I didn't even recognise him. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's in it as well. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a great cast, I think. I think did Scott I I suspect Scott Hancock might have directed this one, which probably goes some way to explaining that. Um because it is it's Bern Gorman, it's a, it's Torchwood cast, it's it's I, I think it was Scott Hancock actually, yeah. That was yeah. that was that probably goes a long way to explaining that. We can move on then and talk about the books now, which definitely is the core of the event. These are the this is the main the, the main event, you know, with everything else sort of happening around the books, uh, everything leads to the books, everything leaves from the books afterwards. Um, there's two of them. There was uh, The Night, The Fool, and The Dead, and then there was All Flesh is Grass. Um, so uh, tell me what you thought of the books then. Um, I was making my expectations for them were really high because they did feel like the centerpiece or like the main event uh, of the whole thing. Um, I haven't read them recently, by the way. I read them like when they came out, like as soon as they came out. Uh, I think also I was probably setting my expectations quite high, thinking that they were going to go back into the sort of type of writing that you would get in New Adventures or the Eighth Doctor Adventures during the nineties, um, especially with the setup, because there was this whole idea of doing the Time Lord victorious and. Seeing a darker version of the Tenth Doctor, maybe actually running with an alternative timeline where there is a villain version of the Tenth Doctor that has to be defeated by the others, um, and I don't think it really fully delivered on like, well, my expectations or the potential that was there. There was a lot of good stuff. Um, there were things to like. Uh, I think the like all the characters that we'd seen in other stories and other media carrying through, I think many of them are represented well, um, including the Katura, the main um, uh, aliens that are part of this whole story. Uh, I thought there were some good bits with them, like the whole introduction is it to the first book that has the prologue with the Katura arriving on a planet. Or is that the second? Um, but yeah, they... They, as a species, I think, were done really well in the books. Um, and, yeah, the sort of multi-doctor bit, when they all start meeting up towards the end, I, that, that's, always, <clears throat> that's always fun, that's always interesting. I thought it was all resolved a little bit too easily, because, because they went with the choice of, we're going to keep this in continuity, the Tenth Doctor is going to, consider going over the edge but then be like very quickly pulled back by his other incarnations um so because of that i didn't really feel like there was a huge amount of jeopardy or threat uh, as there would have been if they'd just gone right this is going to be some alternative version of him that we're just gonna uh, have like, going completely crazy um yeah what were your impressions of the books um, I was I, I I was excited for them. I I I'd sort of fallen off reading Doctor Who books a while back. Um, I used to love reading the new series Adventures as a kid, but um, 
this this did feel like a wee bit of a return to to that to begin with. But I think the night the fool and the dead. I don't know whether there's a reduced word count on these, but they feel like they're trying to cram a lot into fewer pages, maybe. Uh, the Night the Fool and the Dead feels very breathless. It bounces from, you know, various different, you know, weird and wonderful dark times locations, you know, to another. Lots of weird, wonderful, colourful characters. But it doesn't seem to spend very much time with any of them and it sort of bounces from um, set piece to set piece almost. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's... It, it doesn't feel like it flows too naturally, I think. Um, I have to be fully honest, I don't like the ending of The Night, The Fool and the Dead. I don't like the Tenth Doctor actually tipping over even for a moment into the genocide that he does here it is there's no other way to put it you know the tenth doctor for all of his quest to you know eradicate death here does then justify all of that by committing a genocide even though it's against the Keturu, you know it could have been it, it doesn't feel right to me i don't i don't like that um, yeah, I agree. And that's the other problem with walking it back at the end, because then the kind of, you know, quote Mark's canon version of the Tenth Doctor is has supposedly gone that far, which is like much, much further than he goes on screen um, in those last few stories of his era. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it didn't feel right with me at the time. It doesn't feel right with me now. And if I could change one thing about Time Lord Victorious, it would be the ending of that first book. But it's there, it happened, we'll have to take it as it is. As you say, we can't judge a story for, you know, being something it's, it's or not being something it's not. You see, I agree with that, but then how do you actually deliver on the premise of the series or deliver any jeopardy if you don't take the Tenth Doctor that far? Um, like, like I said, my, my only thought was just have like a, like a alternative universe or valuard version of him that is irredeemable that is just has just gone completely over the edge yeah it's it's a hard one to do i i that yeah i i can say that i think that would have felt maybe like they were you know that feels like a sort of get out of jail free card where you can say oh the doctor did this but it's not the real doctor you know for there to be any sort of stakes, it has to be the real Doctor, but I still don't like it. <laughs> um, I did broadly prefer All Flesh is Grass. There's this strangely comedic thread running through it. There's just the thing about the spider plant that keeps popping up. That's quite. It feels like it's meant to be quite humorous. It feels a little bit out of place for something that's meant to be following on from, you know, big, serious end of the universe you know, or, you know, world shattering events of, you know, the night, the fool and the dead. Um, but that's Doctor Who for you, I guess. Um, it's, it's very, I, I, I like getting the interaction between the different doctors and they do the way they work it. It sort of starts out with the ninth and the eighth doctors working together, flips over. Then the ninth doctor goes off on his own. The eighth and 10th doctors end up working together for the most of the book. And it ends up then with the 8th Doctor leaving and the ninth and 10th Doctors get the last couple of chapters together. So it sort of works its way around the different combinations of Doctors there, um, which is quite, that's quite well done. It does, 
the Keturu get sort of sidelined very quickly in favour of the Daleks, um, which is going to happen when you put the Daleks in something, I think. Um, and that's that, again, because it's this group of Daleks, I think that works quite well. Um, but it does it does feel a little bit wrong in an event that's meant to be based around the Keturu as the main threat. Um, but I don't have too many issues with that. Um, I think my biggest, and again, it's 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 going into you know oh why couldn't this, this have been something else? But but having the books as the core of the series does feel a wee bit strange when you have two out of three doctors recording audio for this. Um, if it had been me, I would have had, you know, if 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 we could have had the audios as the core of the event where you're getting Paul McGann, David Tennant. At that stage, Christopher Eggleston wasn't doing it. I don't think Christopher Eggleston would do this sort of thing even now. Um, but again, that's, I think, the Ninth Doctor was maybe the wrong choice for this. Um, you know, Tom Baker, you know, was recording audio for this. If the Fourth Doctor had been one of the three main Doctors involved, you could have had the core of this, the big multi-Doctor team-up. You could have had that done with Paul McGann, David Tennant, and another doctor, and that would have been the actual actors playing their doctors in this as as the core of the event. That 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 feels like a missed opportunity to me. But again, it's me criticizing Time Lord Victorious for not doing something that it wasn't going to do anyway. But you know, I think that's the, probably the ideal there, yeah, the ideal version of this. It wasn't as big an event, but there was like a um, uh, Bernie Summerfield. Uh, um, book and then audio that was the conclusion of a, um, uh, like a big arc and it sort of told a connected story across those two things and I thought that was quite well judged to have like the, the, the finale be the performed thing so the book is the first part and then you actually hear like the, the big uh, conclusion as, a, as like an actual audio drama so yeah I agree like like a halfway house would have been to do audiobooks of the novels, which I don't think they did, which isn't really this. I think I will be sort of like more, more critical of like just in terms of accessibility. If you, if you can't read or, you, you know, you don't find reading difficult, then um, you're kind of stuck. You're missing out on like the actual core of the story. Whereas if you did an audiobook of the two novels, then um, someone could just follow along and get like the core of the story through the audio dramas and the audiobooks. Yes, I agree. That that always did stick out of mind. I remember people complaining about that at the time. It's a very, very valid criticism. Um, I think it probably had something to do with... Or it, it, this is pure speculation on my part. I imagine there was some sort of exclusivity thing between the different branches of... Or the different, you know, contributors involved, you know, that you know, BBC, BBC books and BBC audio maybe weren't allowed to do, you know, two instances of the same thing here, but it does create that accessibility issue, as you say, and BBC audio, I think, is a subdivision of BBC books anyway. I might be totally wrong about that. So it's just it's just like a different format, like you know, you have a physical book, you have an ebook, and then it, like you know, generally you have a. Uh, audiobook available as well for any um, sort of popular uh, novel. So, uh, 
So yeah, and, and it's just the fact that it was so central to the story. That's the thing that like you would get to that and then uh, you'd miss out if you're not if you're not reading it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, we'll move on then to the last sort of category, I suppose, of, of things to cover here, which is um, sort of the other things. And I, I don't think I did too many other things, you know, the likes of the Eagle Moss short stories or anything. Um, but there was different way little things turned up here and there. You know, I think there's a there was a short story collection released at Christmas that year, which had a Time Lord Victorious related story in it. Um, there was a shout out to it in one of the Bernie Summerfield box sets with the Unbound Doctor, which was sort of touted as a, you know, here's a, you know, there's a Time Lord Victorious connection in this, and then it got to it, and it was Benny doing a one-line mention of the Couture. Um But there was the Daleks animated series as well, which um, is it's available for free on YouTube, but I haven't I haven't actually seen it. Um, is that something you had watched? Yeah, I watched it recently. It was much, it was much better than I, I thought, because I heard some mixed reviews at the time. Um, but for what it is trying to be, which is like a kind of sort of like animated version of a comic or like like doing that kind of Saturday morning kids cartoon uh, feel, uh, I think it does it really well. And it's like a, it, I, going back to like what I'd recommend to someone as like a, a, a core set of stuff to do for a cut down version of Time Lord Victorious, I think I would suggest doing this at the start because um, it has the mechanoids featured quite heavily as well. And um, again, that's kind of drawing from the comics, like uh, showing a bit of the Dalek mechanoid conflict and relationship. And um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. That's good. I do, I do appreciate that Terry Nation's dream of a Dalek series did eventually come true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's yeah. I'm I'm I, I will get to it someday. I'm I'm glad it's there. I'm I just I just haven't got around to it yet. Then, so I had always said that Time Lord Victorious, while it was flawed, I did enjoy. For better or worse, I did like it and I did enjoy it. I love having that crossover there, um, and I always said, you know, I hope they do another. Um, and earlier this year, then they announced Doomsday, which is similar to Time Lord Victorious, it's not going to be exactly the same um, in that I think it's going to be more linear. I think there's going to be... Um, I, I think it's it's going to be a 24-hour story um, where each of the different components are, are going to take over, you know, take place over an hour um, or a couple of hours, you know, in, in, in this 24-hour segment. Um, and it's, again, it's the same contributors and a few more big finished BBC books... Um, the developers of a uh, who had released a mobile Doctor Who game recently um, are all coming back together to do this connected story about an assassin called Doom, and we've only had one trailer released for it so far. I don't know that there's been any other details released yet. Bar Big Finish are doing one box set this time round, rather than multiple single releases. But um, do you have any hopes for Doomsday or anything you would like it to do in particular? Uh, I guess like it's already doing one of those things because it, it, it was interesting to have all these different paths and like have different ways to navigate through the story. But like we've been talking about, that brings with it lots of complexity and problems in just trying to work out what to, re- what to read and in what order and what to experience. Um, 
So this thing of having it be spread out through one day, uh, I think that's that's already delivering on one of the things that I would hope it would do, just be easier to navigate and understand how to experience it. Um, other than that, uh, like, do we do we know how much the Doctor's actually featured? Because like, Doom was front and centre in that trailer, but it, it, I, I think she's going to be encountering different Doctors through the day. Is that the idea? I don't know. I'm actually going to look up. The, I'm, I'm on the Big Finish website here. I'm just going to look this up. There was something I seem to remember in the when they announced Doomsday there was something in it made me think that there wasn't going to be too much of the Doctor and maybe more of, you know, other characters, maybe like River Song or, you know, sort of, you know, supporting characters instead. Um, but yes, I can only imagine that if the Doctor is involved, it'll be Doom running into multiple incarnations, maybe looking for a particular one um, and not managing to, um, you know, find any of them or find the one she's after, but finding, you know, some of the other ones instead. Um, or again, you know, the likes of running into the Daleks or, or River Song or something like that. Um, I think so far, um, Suze Kempner is the only announced cast member for the big finish component of Doomsday. I love that they've got this one actor in who can act as, you know, the focal point. And she's going to appear. Um, I think they've said there's going to be YouTube shorts. Um, uh, there's going to be a novel. I think it's only one novel this time round. The big finish box set's going to be there. There's going to be at least one BBC audio release. Um, Titan Comics, I think, are going to be in, involved as well, if I, if memory serves. Um, Doctor Who magazine's sort of tied up at the moment doing the 14th Doctor comics. There's no like website or anything yet, like the ones with Time Lord Victorious to... Maybe maybe that needed it more to like guide you through all the different paths, but there's nothing like that that's gone up yet. Okay, um, I'm just typing in here. I just want to double check Suze Kempner. Um, I think I agree with you in 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 saying that it's it's the the linearity here is going to solve some of the issues that Time Lord Victorious have. I think it's going to be a bit of a double-edged sword, though, because it's going to create or potentially create another, which is it's going to be harder in my head to do Doomsday if you're not a completionist, because if this is a 24-hour story, if you're going to miss out on the Titan comics or something, you're going to miss out on a chunk of this day. Um, I think, I think that structure in my head at least does make every component that little bit more important um or or could potentially make that little you know every you know more important every every part more important where if you skip something you are going to mess out no i don't i don't feel like by skipping the eagle moss figurines you know with time lord victorious i don't feel i missed out on too much there because it was only little short stories in the magazines with those i think if i miss out on something here any of these components it feels like there's more potential for missing out on, you know, something important, yeah. um, which worries me a little bit. Um, but we'll see how things play out, I guess. So one little intriguing bit, I'm just looking on the BBC website. It says, um, uh, uh, travel through in pursuit of the Doctor to save her from the ever-approaching death with a capital D. So we've had, like, the personification of time on TV recently, so this looks like 
um, the same for death in this project. Oh, that's cool. That's that's yeah. That's that's. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm on the big finish one here, and it just says Doomsday is a multi-platform Doctor Who story to celebrate Doctor Who's 60th anniversary by introducing a brand new character on a 24-hour pursuit of the Doctor. Which again, just something in the wording there makes me think that the Doctor's not going to actually be in it until the end. Um, I don't know that we're there's going to be you know. I'd, I'd be very surprised if there's no Doctor in the Big Finish component, um, because, again, that would maybe feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity, unless it's the end. Um, I, 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 I can't remember if they've already announced which part's going to be the last. I suppose that'll all come once they start releasing story details. But, um, yeah, I hope there is I hope there is a fair chunk of involvement from the Doctors, um, different incarnations um, from across the history of um, Doctor Who. Um but we'll see. It's 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 quite it's still quite early on. There's a lot we can speculate about, but very little solid detail just yet. I would expect it just from like a kind of like marketing, like well, the time Lord Victorious, they went heavy with the Tenth Doctor and Daleks, and um, that was you know probably because they they know that those elements are going to help it uh, reach a bigger audience. So I'd be surprised if we don't have you know Doctors and Daleks and yeah, maybe other big um, spin-off characters popping up as well throughout the day. If they're not going to have the Doctor so heavily involved, it'd be cool to hear something like Doom meet the Master, you know, where you're still getting a fairly major character there. Um, you know, the world's greatest assassin meets, or the universe's greatest assassin meets the Master. You know, that feels like something that should happen if there, if there is not going to be so much involvement from the Doctor. Again, that's just my speculation, though. Yeah. I mean, j- just based on the little trailer we've had, um, uh, I've seen some interesting speculation on how maybe this title of the the universe's greatest assassin is like an ironic one, because <laughs> she seems very, very friendly and uh, and uh, and sort of approachable as a character. So yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see whether that is the case or whether she is actually some super competent deadly assassin. Yes. Yes. Um, it's it's I I I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, I'm 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 still excited for it, you know, even though there was bits about Time Lord Victorious I wasn't so keen on or I thought didn't work so well, I'm still really excited to hear another one of this, and I hope they do more again in future, you know, um, I'd like this to come along, not too often, but every couple of years, maybe it, it seems like quite a cool thing to do, just to you know bring the different creative you know, wings of Doctor Who, like, you know, even though the TV series hasn't been, it was taken a couple of gap years, I always love that big finishes there, the novels, you know, come out on a semi-regular basis. It's it's nice when they sort of put their heads together and come up with something connected and exciting and feels like an event, because it, because it is an event. It is this, um, you know, it does, it does, it does generate that excitement. So... I wonder if, like, now that the whole setup of production of the TV show is changing. I don't know if this is the case or if they're still in the same, sticking to the same rules, but does it free them up to like do direct prequels and sequels to TV stories and put them out alongside the TV stories? Like you get with a big Marvel film or a Star Wars film, you get like a prequel comic or um, they've done like a, for Star Trek Picard, they've done like audio dramas that go along with the TV show. 
I'm wondering if we could get that. Like, imagine having Flux, but then you get an audio drama that's like a coda to wrap up all those questions that were <laughs> that were left over at the end, or um, to follow up on different characters or elements. Well, we are we are actually getting that already with the. Ten, you know the fourteenth Doctor Comics in Doctor Who magazine. Um, I I don't think it's going to happen. But one of my wishes when I heard that was going to happen was I would love, you know, if Big Finish were able to do a little set of fourteenth and you know fourteenth Doctor and Donna stories to release, you know, in you know in the weeks between like you know in a week between two episodes or something like that. I'd love them to be able to do the same way the novels used to come out, the new series adventures used to come out to a batch of three at the start of the series, a batch of three at the end of the series. It'd be really cool to have that happening with the current Doctor um, you know, at Big Finish. You know, that sort of thing feels like those tie-ins, as you say, are happening more often with the likes of Star Trek. It, with Doctor Who having such the extended, you know, such an active extended universe in the audios, in the novels, that feels like a missed opportunity when it's not done. So that has been on my wish list for a long time. And it does feel like with um, Bad Wolf working, Bad Wolf seemed to work quite far ahead of time as well. Um, so that feels, yeah, I hope I hope that's a thing. I hope that, I hope that does start happening. Yeah, because the turnaround on, I know it's cast availability, but the turnaround on an audio drama is quite quick. So you could create and record an audio drama after, you know, like you said, after Bad Wolf and filmed something like a year and out in advance. Um, the, the timings should work out. I know there's all sorts of other complexities around licensing and production, and it's not it's not that simple. But um, yeah, it's something I'd really like to see if it's feasible. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's maybe all we'll have time for then. Thank you very, very much for, for coming on. I've, I've been wanting to do a Time Lord Victorious episode for quite a long time. So yeah. go, thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back for more podcasting soon. Thank you all very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.